Hey guys, and welcome back to Grace of a Military Child and Life podcast. Life from the perspective of a military family member is way different than a civilian standpoint. Military children and family members give up their hopes and dreams to be able to stand by and support their service member, and it isn't an easy lifestyle for anyone to live. I hope that this podcast is able to help connect the military community and give others just a glimpse into what the military life is like from the perspective of spouses and children. Hi everyone, welcome back to Grace of a Military Child and Life podcast. Today I'm here with Lizanne, who is a military spouse. So hi Lizanne, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on today. Yes, of course. So tell me kind of a little bit about your journey that you've experienced as a military spouse. It's uh, it's a long one. So <laughs> sorry. But I met my husband actually 22 years ago. And that was before he was in the military. We even dated for a year before he talked about military life. And now he has done um, 21 years as a Marine. I've been his wife for 15 of those years. And we have five kids together. We have done, I think, six PCS moves and seven deployments. So it's been a little bit of everything, very long and interesting journey. Lots of highs and lows along the way. Yeah. What is it like? You had a long period, you know, that you kind of mentioned that was more or less long distance. Mm -hmm. Was that, what was that experience like? We are a little crazy and we ended up dating for about seven years before we finally married. And that was not entirely on purpose, but um, like I said, we, we dated for a year before he talked about joining the Marine Corps And when he did join, I was in college. So our plan was for me to finish several years of college while he was doing basic training. Um, Then September 11th happened right after he had joined, but before he had shipped off to boot camp. And so the next couple of years were just a crazy, unexpected whirlwind of back-to-back deployments. He was stationed on the other side of the country. And every time we talked about getting married and me coming out to live there, we realized that Really, I would have no support. I would have no job. Um, He was at a lovely duty station called 29 Palms in the middle of the California desert. So (laughs) it has a bad rap. I know there's some people who love it. I've learned a lot more about it since then. But at the time, it just didn't seem to make much sense. So he spent about four or five years out there. And we did the cross-country dating the entire time. And meanwhile, I had graduated college, started my first job, lived in on my own in my first apartment, and I was staying near family and I had that support system built in. So it was a great thing for me at the time, but it did stretch out our dating and courtship for quite a while until I finally told him, if you get orders to the East Coast, I will marry you. (laughs) (laughs) He made sure he got orders to Quantico, Virginia, and we've been married ever since. Yeah, it's definitely me and my fiance are long distance. He's also a Marine. So, you know, uh, we did a little bit in Japan, which was crazy. And now he's, you know, on the East Coast, the same time zone as me. So it's a little easier, but it's definitely, you know, a weird kind of thing being long distance and not, not knowing that uncertainty of what's happening next. For sure. And I found that I felt super isolated and alone Mm -hmm. during that time. I was in college and a lot of people in college have 
what we call long distance relationships, but it's usually a little bit different than the military relationship, especially if Japan right. is involved. <laughs> talking about such different time zones and just the the lack of control that a service member has over their schedule. And people say, well, why haven't they, you know, made plans to visit you or why haven't they done X, Y, and Z? And are you sure that you're really together? And, you know, you cast all this doubt on these relationships and we had to be very strong throughout that time. Um, There was huge communication challenges, especially during his first few deployments when he was in Iraq, there was no communication. Um, We were the, the letter writing generation, even though cell phones definitely did exist. I am not that old, but they did not (laughs) deployment zones in Iraq. So it was um, very old fashioned, you know, writing letters back and forth that took weeks to get to each other. And that was the foundation of our relationship. So we can look back on that and see how much it strengthened us during that time. Um, Lots of challenges, but it did shape us into the people that we are today. Yeah, I definitely think what you mentioned of how it strengthened your relationship is so true because you have to have a certain trust in a person and, you know, you have to be honest and, you know, take the maybe 30 minutes you get of talking a day or, you know, the one letter you get a week or, you know, whatever it may be. And you have to, you know, take those moments and, you know, hold on to them of, you know, this is what I've got for now. And, you know, hopefully one day it'll get better, but this is what, this is what we've got for now. And it makes a such, such a stronger relationship between you and your significant other. For sure. You do learn to appreciate every call, every moment, every, you know, interaction that you can have. Um, But I think it also allows a lot of space for reflection and, you know, personal growth and development And I've realized that during those couple of years when I was working and supporting myself and living on my own, I was learning a lot about just adulting in general. You know, I had to figure out how to cook for myself and what my schedule was and car maintenance and just those basic kind of things that it's not that you can't get married before you know them. And it's not that you can't date someone before you know them. But it definitely prepared me for some of the future challenges of military life, of managing a household on my own and, you know, taking care of kids during deployments and just sort of shouldering all of those emotional and logistical burdens that fall on us when the service member is away. Yeah, because you don't when the service member deploys or does a field exercise or training where they're gone for, you know, a week or months at a time, you have to you know, take over everything. Like there's nothing that you can be like delegating out to other people that does not happen. You have to run the house yourself, you know, whether you have kids or not, you know, everything is on you to do. And so having that foundation of being like, okay, I can, I can do this, like learning those, it so much, it helps so much, you know, when those times come, you're like, okay, I've already got this. Like, you don't have to worry about this as much. Ready, ready as I can be. Yes, for sure. You mentioned how it was kind of lonely and isolating. And that's something that I hear from a lot of military spouses. And one of the major challenges is that a lot of people are moving And they move away from home, they move away from, you know, 
friends and family that they've grown up with. So what was kind of those experiences like for you and where did you experience your loneliness? Um, It was, like I mentioned, a, a lot of it was while we were dating during that long distance time, even though at the time I was surrounded by family and friends when I was in college and when I lived near them, it was still, um, I felt very disconnected from the military community because Mm -hmm. I had met my husband before he had been at a military base. I didn't grow up in a military town or have any of that nearby. So when I was going through college, I think I knew maybe one other person dating a service member. Uh, Hers was actually in Japan as well. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it, it felt there was a huge disconnect. And I remember searching at the time, this was back in, you know, like 2001 when the Iraq war was getting started. I was Googling pages for military girlfriends or military wives, and I couldn't find anything for girlfriends at the time. And I know social media has exploded since then. Now there's a ton out there, but at the time I was only looking at websites because Facebook didn't exist. And the websites were very clearly for military wives and it did not include fiancés. It did not include girlfriends. And I was well aware that I was not in that community yet. And I just felt that I didn't belong. And there was really no one for me to talk to about this challenging in-between stage of loving a service member and dating a service member and wanting to spend your life with them but not being on a military base or attached to a unit or, you know, an official family member. So because of that experience, I think I've always been very sensitive throughout the rest of his military career to being inclusive and welcoming all of those people who are attached to the unit in various ways, because I truly believe that when we're going through something like a deployment, the title that you have as girlfriend or fiance or boyfriend or spouse, it doesn't matter. The emotions are the same. The challenges are the same. Um, But when you talked about isolation from family, I do think that we sort of eased into my role as a military wife, because I mentioned when we were finally able to get married, he was stationed at Quantico, Virginia, and that was only an hour from my family members. And so I was still able to return home for family events and holidays and do all of that. And they kind of got used to me being married, but still in the area. Right. And then a year later, his next duty station was further south on the East Coast in North Carolina. So that's an eight-hour drive. (laughs) We could still come home sometimes for holidays, but it was much more of an effort. And they kind of eased into that expectation. And then the next duty station was overseas. And that was just sort of the, you know, cut the apron strings. We're in this on our own. We're not going to be coming home to see family and we got to figure it out ourselves. Um, So that was a huge shift for us. And of course, there's a lot of loneliness and isolation when you're living overseas as well. Yeah, I definitely think not having a military community around you, you know, friends and family is, you know, great and they're irreplaceable. But if you're not surrounded by the military community in the military community or in the shoes of, you know, girlfriend, fiance, spouse, boyfriend, whatever it may be, it's a totally different world. Like, you know, I grew up in a military family. So, of course, my mom 
uh, she knows kind of what I'm going through and, you know, the, the difficulties and everything, um, obviously from a different perspective as well, but she, she is able to understand what I'm going through, but my friends who grew up in a civilian world and are, you know, civilians, they're like, you can't see him. (laughs) Why isn't he calling you? You know, they're like, oh, he's asleep right now because he's in Japan. I'm like, yes, he's asleep right now. We get to talk like, you know, a couple hours at night and then an hour every morning because I wake up early and <laughs> so I could talk to him and then I go back to bed. Like they, it, it takes a second for them to understand it. And, you know, I'm lucky to have friends that do take the, the extra step to understand it but they still, you know, they're not in my shoes, so they don't understand it. And having that military community surrounding you, you don't feel as alone because everyone gets it from a different perspective. They all understand what you're saying. Um, even though it sounds so crazy, sometimes (laughs) the way we feel and the emotions we go through, they get it. And they're not, you know, most of the time they don't judge you and, you know, they welcome you and, in everything. And it doesn't matter. Like I'm still, when I started, you know, rebooting the podcast and talking to military spouses again, I was a girlfriend Like, and now I'm fiance and they're all like, you know, you're still a military spouse. Like you're still, you know, walking in the shoes. You're still going through those same emotions. Like, you know, like you said, with inclusivity, like being mm-hmm. inclusive of everyone and including everyone, no matter their title, it's so important. And, you know, it's made me feel like welcomed into the military community of, you know, you're not fully a spouse yet, but you're going to be here someday. And, you know, you're going to need people along the way. <laughs> like, you know, it's that, that community. Absolutely. And the community is such an important part of surviving in this life. I think what you were mentioning with trying to explain military life to civilian friends, I definitely encourage everyone to have civilian friends. It is so enriching and helpful to not just live exclusively in the military bubble, but there is sort of a translation issue. I think that at least when we're around other military families, we can sort of take for granted that they're going to understand the acronyms, that they understand what a leave block is, that they they get the the challenges of this life without us having to keep backing up a step and saying, well, this is why it's done this way. And this is how I fix this problem. And, and this is why we have to wait until next year before we know where we're living and all of those things that when you're speaking to civilians, even the most warm and loving and well-meaning friends, there's always going to be those moments of translation and explaining. And that sort of puts an emotional burden on us that before I can even share my struggle and share what I'm going through, I have to explain myself. Yeah. And it it feels rewarding to be around people who get it. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, I've been asked like, uh, you know, my fiance is in school right now, so he's not going to be there for much longer. And it's like, okay, so I don't even know when I end up PCSing to be with him where I'm going to be. And I've been asked the question quite a few times of, are you going to move to be where he is now? Are you going to move, you know, where are you going to be living after you get married? And I'm like, first off, when I get married, there's no guarantee that I'm going to be with him immediately. Like it could be a couple months still right after I'm with him. 
And it's like, okay, so that's first explain. And then it's like, second off, he doesn't know where he's going to be in, you know, nine months, you know, we're getting married in 11. He could have like two different duty stations in between there. Like you never know. And it takes, you know, someone, you know, having to explain that. And then, you know, sometimes even explaining more for someone to understand. And that's, that's hard to, you know, to go through and to explain. It's exhausting to explain like over and over and over again. And I think that's what I found is that so many uh, spouses, girlfriends, fiancés in the community is that people are just looking for support, looking for understanding, and people are craving the knowledge that our experiences are a shared experience. You know, you don't want to ever feel like you are the only one that's ever been a long distance fiance dealing with all those question marks. Um, Just like I never wanted to be the only one dealing with some of the challenges that we went through. And it was only after a long time in military life, talking to other families and realizing how common these experiences are, that there's not just one way to PCS. There's not just one way to get through a deployment or to be married or to have military kids. When you realize that there's just such a myriad of experiences and the more people that we've interacted with and found that we can relate to, then the more support that we're going to have. And that just is very meaningful. And it's a great way to build the community, I think. Yeah. And, you know, just taking, you know, little steps to, you know, even put yourself out there and say, hey, you know, this is what I'm going through. This is my story. This is my journey. You know, someone could like see that or, you know, read an article or hear a podcast or something and be like, I relate to that. Like that is, you know, not every military family has the same story. Everyone's is different. We're not all going to the same duty stations. It's not this one big cycle, right? But it's like, you can relate to specific experiences that someone else faces. Absolutely. And and that's a big part of why I wrote the letters in my book. I wanted to be that voice that could offer encouragement and offer support, even if I haven't been exactly in your shoes, in your specific situation that you or your family is facing right now. There's probably a common emotional ground or a common struggle that I can relate to and that I can offer some encouragement through. And um, that's a big part of the work that I've been doing for the past few years as season spouse. Yeah. So tell me about the book and, you know, what it's called first off, of course, and, you know, what kind of, I mean, you mentioned just what motivated you to write it, but what, what has come out of it? What have you experienced with it? Yeah. So my book is called Open When, Letters of Encouragement for Military Spouses, uh, which they insisted that I use the term spouses, but the original words were military loved ones. So I wanted it to be welcoming to everyone, but it is letters that can offer you just a short burst of encouragement through very specific moments of military life. It walks you through the full journey from the beginning of the book is called new to military life. And so it's about that entire dating period and figuring out what does this mean and what would it look like for me to be a military spouse and can I handle this? And how do I do this? And how do I find community and find a job and find all the things? And then it walks you through PCSing and deployments and all the ups and downs of the military journey. 
And the final section is called seasoned spouses. And it has letters for those who are, you know, after one or two decades in military life, really trying to figure out what comes next or what is my identity now that I've been entrenched in this military community for so long, who am I as a person outside of being just a spouse? And really just the support that you need in all of those moments. And so each letter is just a few pages long, but people have described it like sitting down and having a cup of coffee with a friend, just getting those, you know, understanding words. Uh, Every single letter begins with sympathy and empathy and meeting you where you are and then offering solutions to take the next step or to help you move forward. Yeah. And that's so important and so special because no feeling is invalid in, you know, the military community because everyone faces so many different struggles and trials and, you know, you can't necessarily be like, oh, you, you know, you cannot feel that way. Like, sure, you can be sad for a little while because someone, you know, your loved one is deploying, but, you know, like my mom always tells tells me because, you know, it's hard to leave someone that you love. She's like, you got to pick yourself up and you got to keep going. And, you know, meeting someone where they are and, you know, realizing that there's not a feeling that's invalid is so special and so important to say, hey, I know what you're going through. <laughs> you know, I know it's hard, uh, but here's ways that you can you know, overcome that and, you know, keep moving forward. For sure. I wanted people to first feel seen and validated and acknowledged because I think that so many of us go through this journey feeling like either that we have to put on the brave face and, you know, pretend everything is okay. And sure, I've got this. I'm strong. It's not a problem when really it is quite difficult (laughs) and it might not be hard every single moment, but it's certainly not easy every moment either. So everyone needs to be seen where they are, as they are, but then none of the letters judge, none of the letters provide, you know, criticism. They always offer that support and how can you get through this? How can you make something good out of this? Like you're saying, you do eventually have to pick yourself up and move forward. And so I think one of the lines when it's talking about deployment, it says, you know, it's okay to have a bad day but don't let that stretch into a bad week. Yeah. And it's so easy, you know, this last time or or not this last time, but the time before I had to leave, it was like, it stretched from a bad, a bad day, even, you know, two weeks prior to me leaving and then bad three weeks in total. And, you know, that's almost a month of time right there, you know, and, you know, it's hard at first. It is hard and it does get easier after a while. Um, or that's what I've been told at least. And I mean, I'm going to believe that because I hope it does, but <laughs> you know, it, it can be hard and a bad day, you know, is very common. And a lot of people experience that, but that motivation to say, Hey, you can't let this turn into a bad week to a bad month to a bad year. Like you still have to keep going no matter if it's, deployment, separation, whatever it may be, you still have to keep going. And, you know, as spouses, you know, we still have our own lives to live. We have a lot of spouses have jobs or careers or goals and motivation and houses to to manage kids to take care of. So you cannot, 
you can't drop the ball for too long. For sure. And I think that's a big part of it is that when you are in military life, this is your life. You don't get to, you know, do another life after this one, and yeah. get a redo and, and make up for all of that lost time. And so this is the life that we have to live. And these are the ages that my kids are going to be experiencing. So even if you're having a bad season, you know, a bad duty station, a bad deployment, whatever that situation is, I always believe that that's temporary and you can't get in the mindset that it's going to be this way forever. So you have to find ways, you know, I'm not saying that everything needs to be seen through rose colored glasses and not everything is perfect all the time, but most spouses will tell you that a duty station really is what you make of it. And a Mm -hmm. lot of deployment is the choices that you make and how you choose to spend your time and to view your deployment. So that mental attitude and the approach that you have can make a huge difference in whether you feel like you're just checking off days in a calendar and waiting for some future date when you'll be happy or whether you're trying to actually create your life and create your happiness in whatever situation you're in right now. Yeah. You can't just keep, you know, checking off those boxes and saying, this is the day I'll be happy again, because you're going to be miserable. You know, the entire time period of, like you said, even just a duty station and, you know, we're, never guaranteed a date until that day comes. Like you are not, you deployments can be stretched longer. Duty stations can be cut short or stretched longer. Like you never know until that day happens until that event happens, you're not guaranteed anything. And so if you just keep checking those boxes, you're going to be disappointed when those boxes keep coming and coming. And so you have to be able to say, okay, I'm happy right now. And this is what made me happy. And this is how I'm going to keep myself happy and motivated to, to keep going until the day comes. Yeah. And a lot of it is um, putting in the efforts and kind of going through the motions, even if you're not quite feeling it, you know, if you keep making that effort and showing up, you can eventually bring yourself into that better mindset. Um, I remember at our previous duty station, when we moved in, we knew that uh, my husband was supposed to be retiring, which surprise didn't happen on schedule, (laughs) but it was supposed to be that he would only be there for two years. And so he made the comment when we moved in of like, well, are you even going to bother putting pictures up? Because we're only here for a couple of years. It doesn't really matter. And I looked at him and I said, but that's two years of our kids' lives. They are here for you know, for one kid, this is third and fourth grade. And for another kid, this is kindergarten and first grade. And I can't just, you know, erase those years or like you said, check them off on the boxes and wait until it's over because this is their life. And so I had to go through the motions and put up the pictures and, you know, make our best effort to get connected with the community and buy the t-shirts and buy the yearbooks because that's the life that they knew. And even if we only spent two years at that duty station, at least we tried our best to make the most of it. And we formed family memories there and and some very good memories there. Yeah. You have to be able to make a house a home. And that's a lot of what I've heard from lately as well. Yeah. Yes. So the last thing I always like to ask is what advice would you give to another military spouse? It's a good question. (laughs) And it can go any way. So feel free, Um, whatever advice. I think one important thing is to realize that you need to be proactive 
in building your own support system. I think we hear a lot about how the military community is so supportive and it is welcoming. And that's definitely true. There are so many organizations, national groups, you know, local groups. There's so many ways that you can find support as a military spouse. But the sad truth is that no one is going to do that for you. And until Mm -hmm. you've done the research and made the effort to connect with those groups or even your local community or your local gym or the church or whatever group is going to feel supportive to you, most of the time, those people don't know you. They don't know that you exist when you move to a new place. They don't know that your family is about to go through a deployment or how many kids you have. And so that weight of finding the connection and building that support system that does fall on you. And it took me a few years and a few deployment cycles and a few moves before, before I kind of found that groove. And now I've learned that when we hit a new duty station, we have to kind of hit the ground running and just awkwardly ask people for their phone numbers, awkwardly introduce myself to people at the playground and like, Oh, you have a kid. I have a kid. I'm new here. And I have questions about toddlers. So let's talk. Yeah. And I know that for introverts, especially, that's not an easy task. And I wish that it was simpler, but um, I do believe that there is so much value in having that support system that every ounce of energy, every hour of time that you invest into building that support is definitely going to repay itself. So I always encourage, especially younger and newer spouses to, to get out there and make that effort and make those connections because when emergencies happen and we all know things are going to go wrong and emergencies are going to happen, you need numbers in your phone that you can call. You need people that you can message and ask for help. And you won't have those numbers if you haven't gone out and collected them. So please do yourself a favor and invest in your own support system. Yeah, I think that is so important. And, you know, creating your own community around you, because you, like we said earlier, you don't have family, you have to build your support system around you. And that's so important. For sure. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing your journey of, you know, being a military spouse and, you know, how you're giving back to the community as well. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Yes. Um, One last thing, tell listeners where they can find your book and uh, where they can find you on social media. Absolutely. So my website is seasonedspouse.com. That's also most of my social media handles. So you can find me there. The book is sold through Military Family Books. You can get it in paperback or ebook versions there. There's also a book club version if you're looking at starting a book club with fellow military spouses. And you can also find it on Amazon in paperback or ebook. And throughout the month of July, it is a $1.99 as an Amazon ebook. So definitely check that out and download your copy of Open When Letters of Encouragement for Military Spouses. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Grace of a Military Child and Life. Make sure to set a reminder for every Tuesday to listen to a new episode. You can find us on Instagram and YouTube at Grace of a Military Child and Life. If you have any questions or want to be on the podcast, send a message to one of our social media platforms or email grace.of.a.military.child at gmail.com. See you next week.